Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, it's officially the most wonderful time of the year for Penn State football fans. Penn State Rutgers Week. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones here on the Blue White Breakdown. Dave. I just want to, I want to just start the show. I want to start the show. You know, this will be, Rutgers joined the Big Ten in 2014. So, you know, we've seen a lot of Penn State Rutgers games. Can you off the top of your head, just reel off nine or 10 things you love about Rutgers offense? How about just the Rutgers game day experience? The charm of SHI Opportunities Stadium or whatever it's called. The host school has every all its ducks in a row, everything always organized. It's, you know, it's it's just, I'm not going to say anything bad. Okay, I will. Do you think, though, I know, why, I know why the Big Ten added Rutgers, but do you think from a competitive standpoint they regret having Rutgers in the conference? No, because Jim Delaney knows, and it's true, it's not just about Rutgers. It's about that entire it was about at the time the cable package because they could get yeah. cable vision, which was all up and down the the northeast coast, and there are Big Ten alums all up and down there. And I got I got the the real reason, which had really nothing to do with Rutgers, although they brought a lot of fans. I think it was the 2018 Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden. It was fantastic because there are so many Big Ten grads. In New York City, Metro New York, Boston, Philadelphia, who came in there for that thing, and it was it was a scene, man. I mean, it was it was cool, and there like there are a lot of Michigan grads around there, um, a lot of Ohio State grads, certainly a lot of Penn State grads. Uh, the Penn State following was fabulous. So it's more than about Rutgers; it was about getting that market. And now, of course. It's, a cable's not a, nearly as much important, but streaming services, you get that money out of that population, that huge population but around Metro New York that is now involved, was involved in the Big Ten network from the beginning, and now is involved in streaming services. You're just getting all of that population involved, completely involved, more than you were with just Penn State. That's that's what it's I know, but I'm just talking about having to having to see Rutgers play, though. It's just, yeah. it's just goes, it's part of the deal, right? Is that what you're saying? You're just going to have to live with it. I got to say, you know, the basketball program is very competitive, and that is a the the rack is a. I'm never going to call it by the new name, by the sandwich name. Sorry, because it'll always be the rack to me. Back to a ten days, but but my Midwestern friends are finding out. How, how competitive Rutgers is right now and what a pain in the ass they are for basketball. And I got to say, this time of year in football, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks, a lot of teams we're seeing really don't look like they're completely engaged, involved. Maryland's out. I could tell you that. Maryland checked out. Indiana's out. Um, they didn't want to be there. 
Rutgers against Michigan State at Michigan State and typically crappy weather in Lansing. They were fighting, man, <laughs> to the final whistle, as it turned out. It was some Mickey Mouse tactics with Greg Schiano, but they're 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 in, they're engaged, they're fighting. And this is, I really believe this is not going to be the same kind of game that we've seen against Indiana and Maryland uh, in recent weeks. So there is that. I think they're very improved at scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and they're still fighting, which is more than you can say for several Big Ten teams right now. I mean, they're in better shape than Nebraska. They're better shape than Indiana. They're not the laughing stock of the league anymore. I, I think they're better than Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and and Nebraska right now. So, I mean, are they representative? Yeah. I mean, for the second division, they're okay. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I guess, Dave, what I'm saying is at the end of the day, when, when it's 34 to 6 on Saturday, like... I'm not sure it's going to be. I am sure it's going to be. I'm positive it's going to be. All right, then. 100% it's going to be. I just don't see how – I don't see how you could connect the dots to this being a, a four, uh, the fourth quarter, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if Penn State loses? I don't see it. I just, I just want to see Rutgers evolve at some point. I mean, we're talking about almost a decade in the Big Ten where they could somehow string together some kind of offense that can actually – complement their defense and they can actually threaten somebody that's good well they started running the ball against michigan state and michigan state was coming off a pretty impressive win at illinois you know all right and they ran the ball like they haven't run the ball with kyle Manungai in that michigan state game and they were cracking pads and they were fully involved in that game i'm telling you it's not going to be a walkover like it was with indiana and maryland am i going to predict a Rutgers win no but I, I think they will fight uh, relative to those other schools. And I mean, if if Penn State played Nebraska now, it would you're, it would be what you're talking about. If they played Northwestern on a dry field, it would be what you're talking about. I don't think it's going to be with Rutgers. All right. Just remember, last year Penn State had a hundred guys with the flu, uh, and they won twenty eight nothing. Yeah, I think Rutgers is better at scrimmage. On both sides of the ball than they were last. I'm trying to give you an out here, Dave. I'm trying to give you an out. You're committed. I'm going to pick at 20. I don't know what I'm going to pick, but I'm picking a 15-point difference basically on the spread, and you're picking much more than that, I guess. I I will just based upon – I just can't – I mean, they've – I know you you could say every year is different, but it's not with Rutgers. They've scored 39 points in Big Ten play total against Penn State. 39. Think about that. They've gotten 10 points once. That's history. And and I don't know if they're going to score a lot more this time because they've got a rookie quarterback. They're trying to blend in Gavin Wimsat, who's a, a, a typical – he's the dual threat guy who's not particularly accurate with his throws but is very slippery and gets out of trouble. All, all I'm saying is that Penn State had better strap it on defensively and be ready because Rutgers really ran the ball well against Michigan State. Now, is Michigan State a really tough run defense? Not particularly, but they're a representative team. They just beat Illinois. They just went into Illinois and won and and really ran Illinois, derailed their whole thing. They were 7-1 and one when Michigan State went in. Illinois was kind of their own worst enemy in that game, I think, a little bit. Isn't that true with, like, the fourth down stuff and, like, turning the ball over on downs? Like yeah, but, man, the game was 23-7 to seven in the fourth quarter. Michigan State went in there and kicked their ass. And they're, that's not a bad team for Rutgers to go in and have it. It was 21-14. 
with 12 minutes to go, and Rutgers is driving down to the 20. Uh, Winslet is not terribly accurate. He missed a couple of throws then on that drive, and then they had a field goal blocked. Michigan State went down and scored, and then it was 27-14. And then Penn State fans might not know about this. Uh, Winsad hit like a fourth and 29 throw into the end zone, make it 27-21. So they've got an onside kick. It fails. There's 40 seconds left. And Greg Schiano tries this thing that he did. And you remember, like I was saying, saying off the air, you know 10 times more about the NFL than I do. Have you ever seen this kind of Mickey Mouse stuff that Shiano does? And I, I, you know, I kind of, in general, have liked Greg Shiano and admired what he's done with that program, not once, but I think starting again, it, it, it's in much better shape than it was with Chris Ash. But I do not get this submarining on victory formation. All it's going to do is get some offensive lineman hurt. It has zero chance of ever succeeding, and it's just high school crap. You can also get a quarterback hurt doing that. And I, the, reason I, the reason I was going to bring up these shenanigans is, you know, if it is, a, if it is Dave, if it is a typical Penn State Rutgers game and Drew Aller is in the game in victory formation and he pulls this stuff, I mean, what, what are we talking about uh, and, and how do you think it will be perceived? I guarantee you James Franklin is probably definitely prepared for this and he probably will not have Aller in the game if that's the point he'll have. He'll have somebody else in, but I guarantee you he's ready for it. I just think it's one thing to be feisty and scrappy and, you know, challenging Ryan Day to a fight after a fake pun. It's one thing to do that. I kind of like that about Greg, but there's nothing good can come of that at the end of game stuff. The the game is over. You cannot win. All you can can really do, get somebody hurt. And I, I just think that I just think that he needs to be better. He does. Yeah, go back to Don. Go go coach at Don Bosco prep or something if you're doing that stuff. <laughs> it's it's the kind of stuff you would have expected out of George Curry when he's losing a game, you know, a playoff game, that kind of. It it doesn't belong in college football, and he did it in the NFL, didn't he? At the end of his Buccaneers term, when was that? And who do you remember? Did you? Yeah, watch he was that? The, he was he was the Buccaneers coach. It was at Giants Stadium. Uh, I want to. I don't know when he took the job, but it, it's been, I would say, close to a decade since it happened. But uh, it, it it does it does stick out, and, and you know, you could you could you, somebody could make the argument, Dave. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw the end of regulation in the Bills Vikings game where the, the Bills were backed up to their one yard line trying to protect protect. I think a, a, a lead of a very few points. They had the game won. Uh, Josh Allen fumbled the snap. Minnesota recovered the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. That's kind of a different scenario because there was still a chance they could mess that up. This was this was not they were not backed up. This was there was there was no way that there was no way Rutgers in the game. And this is a that's a mistake by the offense, like the miracle in the Meadowlands. They, they did not cause that. That's that's like the miracle in the Meadowlands or something like that. That's a, that's that's a whole different thing. You know, I guess we've said enough about it, but I just don't get it. And it, it's not it doesn't help his image because it, it looks low rent. I mean, that's what everyone thinks of when they think of Rutgers around the league is low rent. And you don't want to do that. You want to if you're if you're going to be a class program in this league and represent, don't do that kind of crap because it doesn't help. you. It's great to fight. And they are still fighting. Rutgers is still fighting. And I think that's what Shiano has instilled in them. 
but that's the wrong time to do it, man. The game's over. Game's over. Dave, I know you you obviously you do your Big Ten Power Poll and you follow all the teams. The Power Poll comes out Tuesday. I know a lot of people look forward to it. Uh, the odds of Rutgers getting a couple difference makers at key positions on offense, where are you on that? Do you think it's feasible? I mean, there's a lot of – I mean, there are some good players. It's a fertile recruiting ground, but there's a lot of other programs that are in there too. Do you think he could do it? Do you think – it's? I'm not talking about maybe a Ray Rice. I'm talking about – you know, some quarterbacks and wideouts and maybe a couple offensive linemen. Guys on the edge. Well, right. Wimsat is a dual threat guy, and he's trying to make him into a legit quarterback, and he's making progress. He didn't make too many bad throws. He didn't get punished for the ones he made in this game against Michigan State. Not great conditions, but they fired – he fired his OC, Sean Gleason, and <laughs> – in the middle of the season, and that that kind of that doesn't look good. So now he's got a former, longtime, very popular high school coach in New Jersey running the offense, Nunzio Campanella. And, and <laughs> yeah, you remember him? He was the interim head coach when Chris Ash got fired. Now he's the interim coordinator. He's a career <laughs> that's interim. A, that's, a, that's not a New Jersey high school coaching name. I don't know what it is. Tom Bosco prep. It sounds like a character in The Sopranos. Did you call Nunzio? <laughs> Why did you call Nunzio? I told you to call Nunzio. <laughs> anyway, it, it doesn't have any continuity right now as far as the air game. It doesn't. But they have really improved incrementally over the last couple of years. You remember what a, what a horrible <laughs> S... So it was at scrimmage on both sides of the ball a couple of years ago when he took over three. And now it's better. I mean, they are competitive at the line on both sides of the ball. Uh, I mentioned on, on the post game last week that uh, against Michigan, they made and no one has done this to Michigan. They were ahead at halftime against Michigan. You can say Michigan didn't take the game seriously. Look. It was a competitive game in the first half, and then they just ran out of guys. I mean, you need more guys to, to sustain that against Michigan. But in the first half, Michigan's two touchdowns, were, were they needed fourth down on first and goal situations both times to do it when Blake Corham finally scored, and he had to fight to get in the end zone. They are better at scrimmage on defense, and they were quite a bit better at scrimmage on offense. They were opening holes for Kyle Manungai in that Michigan State game that were very impressive and they were well-blocked plays where the hole was where it was supposed to be. It wasn't like bounced outside. And Kyle Monongai had like a career game and they're like, everyone's like, who the hell is Kyle Monongai? Well, that's what Michigan State was saying. But they were getting blocked. They were getting blocked. So that's where you're going to build this program from the inside out in contrast to Maryland who's got all the shiny objects all over the perimeter, and then in November they can't play. It, everyone thought that Maryland was going to maybe – they were the sexy pick to finish third this year and with a lot of people in the league. They were your sexy pick last year. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember if I ever picked them third. I think uh, – you, you exactly picked them third. I did? Yeah. Last year? Last year. Okay. You're not wiggling out of it, Jones. You're not wiggling I out of it. I didn't believe in them this year, and I think I picked them fourth or fifth. I did not believe they were going to replace Penn State because they're not showing any strength at scrimmage. The, to, to, to your point about Rutgers, 
I mean, they got all the skill guys, but when November rolls around and you've got to run the ball and run possession passing, they can't do it. Rutgers is making steps in that direction. And they ran the ball very well against Michigan State and were in the game in the fourth quarter. So that's fairly impressive. I just want to correct myself. I was talking about you picked Rutgers third last year. I don't know if you, that's what I meant you did. If you oh, were talking yeah. about, I was talking about Maryland. I give you enough grief. I don't want to, I don't want to say that because you were, you like Rutgers third last year. I picked year. Illinois and Rutgers third. That's right. In last year. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. So here's my question about uh, this game particular. If you'll remember when Penn State went down to Auburn, Manny Diaz knew that the quarterback couldn't beat Penn State's defense. Why wouldn't Manny Diaz just say, you know what? We're not going to let this running back even get started. And if the, if the quarterback can beat us, we're going to get upset. Why wouldn't he just do that? Why wouldn't he exactly? I, 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 that's, that's my fear about this game is he's pretty good when he knows he's got to deal with a one-dimensional offense. and Even that dimension isn't that great. You know what I mean? Ohio State, you could argue, is a one-dimensional offense, but that dimension is at times spectacular. Auburn's, Auburn's running game is not spectacular. And their quarterbacks weren't weren't dangerous, and he knew it. And no, that's a really good point. I'm just worried that this is a matchup where Manny's going to say, "Hey, you're you're we're just we're just not going to let the running game get going." And if they can make some plays in the passing game, say what you will about Manny this year. When he's had an advantage to exploit, he has ex- has exploited it. And it's usually the quarterback. And there's a lot of bad quarterbacks in this league, especially when other guys get hurt. So he did it with Minnesota when they had to start their backup who was a, a kid. They did it with uh, Indiana when the, they, they have complete chaos at quarterback. He's, he's terrific, and, and God knows he did it against Maryland, who really didn't even look like they wanted to be on the field and got a shutout. So that is a point well taken. I think Wimsat is slippery in a way that it, it, they, they don't really need to rush him and try to blitz him. Just let him make the mistakes because I think he will. You know, <laughs> we're not going to pressure you. Take your time. Just throw the ball. Just throw the ball whenever you're ready. I would stay home. Well, he's <laughs> slippery, man. I would just stay home, stay gap sensitive, gap attentive, and and let him let him make a bad throw because he will. You pronounce whims. How do you pronounce that? Whim whimset. You you pronounce him as well as you pronounce Whitvet. They're almost similar, but you nailed the pronunciation. I had that wrong all the time, and Jeff Nelson said it was wit vote, so I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> Mia culpa accepted. Mia culpa accepted. It's kind of like your Brett Bilemma. Yeah, I do that on purpose, though. Hey, it looks it looks like though Chase Brown's injury might not as be as bad as originally feared. I think I, I, people were afraid it was an Achilles. And it might be an Achilles strain. They're not a really sand. I think it's a smoke screen. Did you did you see when he got hurt? Did you see it? Yeah, I was next to you. Remember, you were watching it in the press box. Oh, that's box. right. That's right. Uh, he he looked like he was in excruciating pain. That's the kind of injury where if you have to get ready for Michigan, 
you know, that which is where Illinois is playing. Any good, so they can they need him at a hundred percent to have a chance in that game. I'm just glad the kids need it. I, I just hope it wasn't a serious injury. That's I all hope I care. he has an NFL career because it's really it's really terrific that that kid has done what he's done because he deserves he deserves to make some money. I just hope he's not worn out. Like where did Lorenzo White end up when they when they drafted? He was a Houston Oiler for a while, but uh, I don't know how long he played. But you're right, him. I, you know what? Honestly, Dave, I'm worried about Blake Corum. I know, I know, I just I know he's got a great offensive line, but that workload, whoo! Even though they're in the the prime of their their lives. It does, you're never quite the same when you when you carry the ball that many times. Almost, you know, every every back kind of takes a little bit of a step backwards. Monty Ball at Wisconsin. Monty Ball, oh my God, yeah, he, yeah, was a was guy, a he had other issues, but I mean, he everyone thought he'd be a good running back in the NFL, and I just think that what they did to him at Wisconsin just kind of that was it. So hopefully, hopefully those guys those guys survive their college careers. That, that's why, and I think you agree with me. To anyone who says, oh, these guys all go off to the NFL early and they opt out of the bowl games. I remember when it was exciting to play in the Citrus Bowl. You know, <laughs> these these kids, and I don't care if they're getting paid now. The, the real money is when you turn pro. And if they're overused that much, I don't blame anyone for saying, you know what, it's – we're we're going to the Citrus Bowl or or Outback Bowl or whatever. I I think I'm out. I w- I would like to play in the NFL and make some serious money. I wouldn't blame anybody for doing that because this is a business. Yeah, Penn State fans, if you're just if you're just tuning in or you're just started watching the Blue White Breakdown, that's David Jones's Mid State Man impersonation. It's been crafted and honed. For decades, actually, I don't think I don't think most of you guys even know what the score is. Most of the time, you're in the press box there eating your free food. I'll, I'll come in and write the oracle for you if you want to. You don't want to write Dave, it. Here's my question: Every time I hear you do it, so in your mind, what does Midstate Man actually look like as he's saying that? Give me like an age. Give me like an age gap, and like yeah. is he a guy? Is he skinny? What is he? We had a guy two houses down from us in Edders. When we lived in Edders from 93 to 98 before we moved to Downingtown. And his name was Tony Miller. And he actually, he was the nicest guy in the world, but he actually talked like that. He actually, he's my prototype. And Tony, if you're out there, Tony and Cookie, where they lived two or down. <laughs> we had a great neighborhood down there and we drank beer every weekend. You lived on a golf course and you yelled at golfers who walked into your yard and, stole, and took their balls. Oh, I don't know why you live on a golf course if you expect no go- golf balls to be in your yard. You shouldn't shouldn't have lived on a golf Valley course. Green golf course. I was I, I was on coming up to the fourth green. It was a par five, the dog leg right. That's right. A lot of people tried to cut off the dog leg and hit my house, and I would go out like my dad with uh, my <laughs> like this, you know, pulling up my pants. Who hit the house? You know, I was I was losing my mind. Yeah, but that was a great neighborhood. We had a good time. But Tony, Tony was the archetype of Midstate man. He was the he was the guy. He said, "I don't." He would come up to me after every game and say, "I don't know why you have to write show negative all the time." But but he was a drinking buddy. But he really meant it. You know why don't you why don't you see some positive once the once in a while? Yeah, write about the local kids from this area. All right, I'm going to try and steer this back on track. Dave, give me like one or two things. How about let's just talk about the Penn State defense. The guy that wears number 11, 
Didn't even enroll early. Abdul Carter, a Philadelphia area kid. He is a stud. I'm not comparing him to Micah Parsons, but I did in the in, in the four post post game reads for for one specific reason. I mean, when you have the the binoculars on, you only do it sometimes. You don't do it as much as you used to. I do. I try and do it when it's when it's the key junctures and the key plays, but uh, or you know, but it's it's hard to do it all the time because when you have the binoculars on, you still miss a lot of you, you're focusing on one you thing. need to see 22 guys all the time and i'm i'm freelancing and looking for story ideas more than i am when you're you're the beat guy and you have to see everything all the time so i get it as as james franklin would say you're, you're screwing around in the press box is that what you're saying you're screwing around no but but when you when you've got the binox on and you can really see the collisions and and see what's going on man he plays hard he just every snap. He never takes a snap off, and that's kind of an internal motor he's got. He loves to play football. He's not just gifted. He and and the other thing is the reason I was comparing him to to Parsons. I remembered the situation. You remember when the, the fifty-one-six game at Pitt, and it was raining like the entire week, and we were Friday night. We were in our hotel. And it had just started raining. And some guy came up to me and said, you, what do you think about Parsons? Do you think he's he was a freshman? And remember, he hadn't really started. He would come in later in the game. And, and I said, you know, he's just he's just out there trying to find out where all the controls are at this point. He has to think. And he's he's playing football at a much higher speed. And he he's still thinking when he doesn't have to think anymore. You know, look the hell out because he you can see. He's got talent that just jumps off the screen. That's what I saw. Abdul Carter is starting to make that jump where he's not thinking anymore. He recognizes and acts, and he gets to the spot right now. I mean, it's it's impressive, and he arrives angry, and and he is turning into a hell of a player. I'm not saying he's going to be another number eleven like Lavar or uh, Parsons, but geez, I mean, he's 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 really the best player in the defense right now. He is. He he's 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 a first year player. I think that's played great. I really enjoy watching Chop Robinson, who's a second year player. When he wants to make, get when he wants to get pressure, uh, he doesn't always get there. But he's he can beat the offensive tackle if he doesn't get help pretty quickly. And then Kalen King uh, is a corner at, in, in his second year. That th- those guys are just to have those con- that kind of talent at all three levels is is impressive. And they all they all will be back. It's too early to leave to leave for the NFL. I think they're all well, maybe not Kalen King, but Carter and Chop. I think in the front seven are definitely players to watch. All right, Dave, did I did I talk you out of? I think Penn State's a nineteen and a half point favorite. You said something about fifteen point margin. I tried my, I tried my best to talk you out of a Rutgers cover. Did I succeed? What's your score? I didn't know the spread had risen to nineteen. It has. Yeah, it actually was right around nineteen all week. It was. Yeah, yeah that's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna call for a backdoor, and I'm gonna. I, I'm also. I'm also believing that Rutgers' defense is gonna hang in there. So I'm calling for a backdoor cover. Penn State twenty-eight, Rutgers eleven. They go for two to make it a a three-score game. <laughs> oh. How about how about 27 11? 27 say, 11. If they go for two and it stays at 11, that means that they were at five uh, when they got the touchdown. Are you sure you want to do that? 27 11. 
They, they, it's 27-3, and, and Greg Shiano goes for two with 47 seconds left to make it a two-score game. There. Yeah, and then he submerages Drew Aller, and there's a fight at midfield. <laughs> Good. Yeah. The Jersey guys will probably win that fight from all, from Don Bosco Prep and all the high schools. That's I think James Franklin and his staff might be outflanked if it comes to that. I don't. I have it thirty eight six. I I just don't. Penn State with those running backs, they don't need a lot of room anymore. They both are now running through people. Uh, I know that Rutgers is a lot more sound on defense, but I just believe. I believe in those guys and that offensive line, even though they're missing some pieces. They're missing a lot of pieces. They really played well. I think they played well, and I think they'll wear them out. And, and credit to, to Troutwine because he's taken some abuse earlier this year. And you kind of put him on the spot there, my man, early in the year, <laughs> didn't you? He tried to trap him with, the, with that, that reference to Florida, didn't you? Yeah, he tried to trap him. Yeah, he took the bait, didn't he? Who was the, who's the offensive line coach in 2016? I can't think of his name. Uh, it was Matt Weinberger. No, no, 2015. I'm sorry. Uh, Herb Hand, I think. Herb Hand. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of like the Herb Hand patching stuff together job. And Weinberger, too, in 2016, actually, is a better is a better example. Yeah, he, they were beat up on the offensive line as well. And you just patched that thing together for, for a while until – and they were functional all year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this Penn State offensive line, I mean – if you take Olu out of the uh, out of the conversation, assuming that maybe he wants to go to the NFL, they now they have Drew Shelton with experience. Landon Tegwall will be back next year. I don't know if Juice Scruggs is going to stay or go. I think he might have one year left if he wants it. Uh, Salim Worley would have some experience, and then at the right tackle, I'm probably gonna they're probably gonna have to break in somebody new because Bryce Efter's been around a while. I don't know if he's got any eligibility left. Can Can Caden Wallace make the leap? James uh, James insists that Caden Wallace is not healthy. Uh, he looks pretty fine on the sidelines when he's in uniform. I'll give James the benefit of the doubt, but Hunter Norzad's back as well. So they have some nice pieces back on the offensive line. So, And with those runners, it's not bad. I think even mid-state man would be excited about the offensive line in 2023. Well, I like it a lot better when they use two backs. You know, <laughs> and a they- full back. Yeah, what yeah, about putting the fullback? fullback? Putting the fullback and follow him into the hole. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not difficult. It's not complicated. How hard is it to find Sam Gash? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Brian Milne. You know, Brian Milne and John Whitman. John yeah. Whitman, yep. The Sueys, all of the Sueys, even even Joe Suey. So yeah. Did you hear the story about Joe? Joe, Joe in practice one time he called out for Sue. Where's Suey? Suey, get in there! And Suey had already all the Sueys were gone. They'd all graduated. <laughs> there was a lot of them to be in Joe's defense. A lot of Sueys. Larry, I think this Joe, was in between Sueys. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dave. Well, I guess I'll see you in Piscataway. You have a short drive, do you not? It's so much nicer. Oh my God! It's it's a dream. It's a dream. Hour and a half, and I'm there. Just remember the the, the uh, it's a three thirty kick. The food is questionable in the press box. I know you're going to bring your own. Definitely bring your own. <laughs> what do you think they're going to serve? What is a New Jersey staple that they could mess up? A meatball sandwich, you know, with with like bad <laughs> bad cafeteria meatballs, you know, and bad rolls. There's nothing worse than a bad meatball sandwich with bad rolls and improperly sauced. 
Yeah, and then and like a lot of breadcrumbs, and you know it's it's like a filler. No. Yeah, you know there's going to be some radio guys in there, though, just elbows deep in those meatballs, and it's just going to be <laughs> sauce everywhere. Well, everywhere. You're, you're pretty much disparaging everybody, like the the Rutgers Food Service, the the, the radio, radio guys. Radio guys, yeah, I'm disparaging radio, radio guys. guys. So what? All right, I'll see you. Uh, we'll see you guys after the uh, after the game. And we'll see if it's close or we'll see it's a typical Penn State Rutgers affair. SHI Solutions Stadium. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. See you there. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.